Man, thankful that, uh, that I get to be up here and uh, get to be with you guys today. Uh, it, it really is a privilege, and I'm not just saying that uh, because uh, I like Pastor Brad even. Uh, I say that especially because uh, just as another local body here on the east side, man, uh, not only does, does Indy need Jesus, but man, the east side needs Jesus. We need more churches. We need more believers. Uh, we need more mission. We we could, we're located maybe about a mile and a half just west of here um, on Michigan Street, and I've told a couple people before, but we could plant five churches between this place right here and our church and still not even begin to scratch the surface of the need for Jesus in our community. Um, and so Mercy Hill, we've been, as a church, and even personally, just myself, we have been praying for you guys. Uh, we got to be, or I got to be here at uh, your launch service just before Easter. And man, I am incredibly, incredibly thankful for what God is doing here. And the best part about it is, he's just getting started. Um, and so man, I, I am looking forward to many, many years of uh, just partnership and ministry with you guys in the days ahead. Um, and man, I, 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 I want you to know too, and I, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag or uh, telling you guys anything that you don't know. Um, but man, Pastor Brad and his family are an absolute unit when it comes to serving the church and loving the community, right? Um, and I know that you guys have seen that. Um, and, and just as I was kind of praying and, and getting ready for the message today, uh, I think I've come up, Brad, with yours and Jen's celebrity couple name. And uh, I'm going to affectionately refer to you guys as PB&J from here on out. Pastor Brad and Jen, um, you guys are the dynamic duo. And, uh, and man, I, I brought my sunglasses today. Um, and I know it's raining, the sun's not out. But uh, a couple times a month, I get to get to sit with your pastor um, and pray with some other pastors here on the east side. And uh, man, just getting to hear his heart for not only Mercy Hill, but for the people of Indy, for the people over here, for his family. He, uh, he names a lot of you guys by name. Um, and I, I, I promise he's thanking God for you um, and, and not complaining at all. But, uh, you know, anytime I... I kind of spend time around Brad, man, there's just like this brightness about him, right? And I got to bring my shades because it just reminds me of Exodus 34 when Moses had been in been in the presence of the Lord, right? And it said when he came down, he had to put a veil on because he shone with this brightness and it would blind people. And man, I know that Brad spends time with Jesus because of how bright his face is. And I'm not sure if it's his bald head or his time with the Lord, but, uh, I'm going to quit roasting Brad. Um, now we're going to get into the word. Uh, today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, uh, wrapping up the end of that chapter, chapter verses 16 through 23. Um, and so just like to read through that very quickly, if that's okay, and then uh, we'll pray and we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So the word of God says this in Colossians starting in, chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink and with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, and the substance belongs to Christ. 
Let no one disqualify you insisting on aestheticism and and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and holding fast to the head from who the whole body, nourished and knit together through the joints and the ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. In verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom and in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So Father God, Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, I, uh, I just simply pray that Lord, your, your word would go forth and not return void as your word promises. God, I pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that I would preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. And Lord, uh, I, I pray, Father, that you would make our hearts fertile, God, to the truth of your word. And it would take deep root, God, and that we would leave this place changed, God, and, and looking at your word and your spirit and, God, the world differently. Lord, we are so thankful for you and your son, Jesus. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Uh, Well, if you're a note taker today, uh, just entitled the message simply this, don't make it what it's not. Don't make it what it's not. And uh, our target statement for today, because I'm a little ADHD and I've got to have something to focus on or I'm going to chase rabbits, um, is just simply this. Having holy habits isn't the secret sauce of salvation, but choosing and chasing Christ-likeness is, right? That's a, uh, that's a nod to Space Jam for um, all you guys, the, the original one, not, uh, not the LeBron one. MJ's the GOAT. We can debate that after. Um, but it, it, it's just this idea that as we read in the passage, man, that it, it, it's not our habits that make us holy, and it, it, it's not coming to church that puts us into a right position with our, our Heavenly Father. And it, it's not reading the Word of God that gets us into heaven, but it is chasing the perfect image of what it looks like to live in this world and to not sin against God. And, and in Christ's humanity, He lived this, this perfect, sinless life. And that fullness and that glory and, man, the sacrifice on his cross, it was fully credited to our account, right? And so let's, uh, let's get into the teaching today. Uh, again, if you're taking notes, point number one today is this. Freedom and fullness only come through faith. Freedom and fullness only come through faith. And, and as we take a look into the first couple verses of the passage today, we see we see Paul driving home the fact that, man, true spiritual substance, it doesn't come from rule keeping, right? Uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of rules. I grew up in the country of Arkansas, and some of you guys might have guessed that from my accent today. Uh, but, man, like I was allowed to just kind of go outside and just stay alive. Like there, there wasn't a lot of rules 
in that. Um, I had, you know, I had four-wheelers, and I had a BB gun, and I shot windows out of old houses, and like it, it, don't do that, but like there just, there, there wasn't a lot of rules, but like we had a, we had a, two simple rules that I had to follow to a T, and it was don't talk back to my parents, and do what they said when they said it, right, and uh, my dad, he, when I disobeyed those things, he would have a talk with me. I had a very tender heart, and my dad knew how to, how to talk with me and, and, and move, me to, uh, move me in such a way that, man, my heart would just kind of break over my disobedience. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she was uh, of, the, uh, of a certain demographic that, like, it didn't matter what was close up on the, like, moment of my disobedience, I was catching something across the back, across the, the rear end, across my legs. It might be the chest. It might be the head. It depended on how well I ran and how slow she was feeling that day. But, uh, but, but in the same way, right? Like it, it wasn't the fear uh, of the punishment that, that made me want to, to follow through with being obedient, Right? It was my love for my parents. I didn't want to disappoint them because I loved them. And so in the same way, what Paul is telling the Colossians here is he's saying, man, look, I don't want you to, to I mean, deduce your faith down to this simple rule set. Because, again, following rules isn't what saves us, church. It's through what? A relationship with who? Yeah, through faith in Jesus, which, again, his, his holiness, his righteousness, it was credited to our account, right? And uh, the Colossian church is reminded, just as I need to be reminded a lot, that true freedom and fullness, they only come from what's outside of creation. So, so in other words, today, like, if we're looking to be fulfilled, or we're looking to have this life that is worth something, then, then it, it can't be focused on things that are temporary. Right? Money, professional success, man, acceptance, anything like that. Like we, we have to focus on that which is eternal because this world, it's fleeting. This life is fleeting. We're not going to live here forever. Man, like, we are pursuing something that is so much more grand than just what is here. And look, I get it. Like, it's not, it's not cool to be on the outskirts of, of relationships. And I'm here today to say, like, nobody's asking you to be odd for God. Like, no, nobody, nobody wants you to, like, be so removed from reality and from culture and from friends and things like that, that, that you're alienated and, and on this island. But, but what I am saying today is that, look, when we choose to pursue those things, to be accepted by people more so than we want to honor God because of how much we love him, then we're looking for fullness in the wrong places. We're looking for freedom from the very things that are holding us captive. And, and, and we're just prostituting, man, one, one thing for another when it comes to worldly things. 
And so, like, Cody, what are you talking about? Break that down on a personal level for me. Well, I, I will. Right? I, I talked about finances a little bit, right? And, and you, you, we're not going to talk about it, but how many of you guys would, would say that you, you grew up uh, with, with little means? Like, you guys, you guys had a rough upbringing. You didn't have a lot of extra money, things like that. I, man, I, I relate to that. Uh, the way that, that my family and I uh, would kind of articulate it is that, uh, that we didn't just grow up broke. Uh, we, grow up, we grew up po, like we couldn't afford the O and the R. And like, spam, like fried Spam sandwiches, like that, that was a big day in the Clark household, right? Anybody like Spam in here? Anybody like, at, at, hey, my people, we'll talk. Any, anybody like adamantly against spam? Cool, my wife over there. We're, we're working through that in our marriage. But like spam, spam was a big deal. Man, we would have sloppy joes. That was, that was a big deal too. Man, sloppy, come on, my people. But like we, we didn't have a lot of extra money. Like we weren't eating filet mignon every night. Like we didn't even really get a whole lot of minute steak. If you, like, you would have to really, really plow your way through that. But, but you see, like, upon, upon growing up and kind of being responsible for my own finances, like, it was real easy to get into this place where in order for me to feel safe, to, to feel fulfilled, and to experience freedom from that, that past, man, my, my bank account had to have a certain number in it, Right? And, and I had to be able to I had to be able to, to afford these things that you know the world considered luxurious, and if I wasn't in that place, I was I was in a desperate place. I was in a hurting place until I realized that the only problem with currency is that you never have enough of it. And I'm not here today to say that, man, like, you know, let's all go sell everything and, you know, move into to Brad and Jen's house and sing Kumbaya and, you know, eat Spam sandwiches once a week. But what I am saying is that, look, when, when our fullness and our identity is in our finances more so than it's in Christ, we're missing the point. The Scripture says that, that our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That he is not only a God that takes care of basic needs, but he's a God of abundance. He, he, will, he, he sees you. He hears you. Man, if he takes, cares, if he takes care of the, bird of the, the birds of the fields, then how much more does he want to take care of us as his children? And, and again, like this is all coming through the lens of verses 16 and 17 in our passage where, man, there was this idea that we could be fulfilled and have freedom outside of the gospel. Or, or they were even adding to the gospel. Like, it was Jesus and this thing. Jesus and, you know, 40 days of, of fasting. It was Jesus and how much money I give. It was Jesus and, man, this, this, this like, almost, almost to the point of bodily harm. That, that, like, because they were suffering, that made them holier. And, and they were fulfilled and experienced fullness in that. 
And church, this is what I'm like, that's what I meant when I'm saying nobody's asking you to be odd for God. It's this idea, man, that, that we have to see Jesus for who he is. The sacrificial lamb, right? We, we sing it today that, man, the full price of our sin was paid on the cross. And upon placing faith in Jesus as our Savior and accepting the price that was paid for you and I, we will never be more full, more free, more holy, more righteous than we were in that moment. And so, Cody, you're telling me, like, once I'm saved, I'm good. I can just sit back and, and chill and not do anything else. That's not what I'm saying. I did not say that, Brad. What I, what I am saying, though, is, is, man, like, when you understand Jesus and the gospel, you can't sit. You can't hang out. You can't just come real early on a Sunday morning and, and set up chairs and kids ministry stuff and coffee and sound and everything else. And like, man, that, that's it for the week. Man, you have a fullness, church. We have a fullness that doesn't come from anything that this world has to offer. Man, we, we see this idea of this religious mysticism here to go along with, with that financial deal that, that we can focus on for fullness. That mysticism, right, defined as the belief that direct knowledge of God, spiritual truth, or ultimate reality can be attained through subjective experience. That's just a real fancy way to say that, that by choosing to deny myself basic necessities of life, food, drink, things like that, like we can obtain this higher favor of God, and, and he will reveal more of himself to us. And that's, that's, part of what the false that's part of the false teaching that was going on in the church. And Paul writes and he says, look, stop, quit. Uh, again, you will never be more full than when you trust Jesus for who he says that he is the son of the living God. And again, look, I know we would never, ever create any kind of ranking system in the church like that that just doesn't seem like a good idea and so like we we wouldn't come to church and think that just because we're on the setup team like man we are really really getting after it from God for God right or, or because we we give a certain number to the church and to God's ministry that, that, man, that, that places us kind of on this upper echelon of, like, I don't have to serve in children's ministry. There is no caste system in the kingdom of God. To the point that when the fullness of Christ was credited to our accounts, hear this, we are now called co-heirs with Christ. The perfect, sinless son of the most high God. 
who lived perfect and blameless and sinless, came for me, a dirty, wretched, messed up, jacked up, chase everything but God's sinner, chose me, and said, yeah, him. Transferred that fullness to me, and now I get to be a co-heir with Christ? <laughs> I think that got translated wrong. Like, I... I didn't do anything. And God says, yeah, but grace. It's the whole point. I made you, and I have chosen you, and I have loved you, and and you are mine. Fullness, church. So what do we do whenever we start chasing these things? Like, how do we acknowledge them for what they are? That, That... financial security, relationships, this idea of religious mysticism and things like that that the church was battling. How do, how do we acknowledge that and how do we move on from that? I'm glad you asked. There's a little cure that comes by way of the truth that's tucked away uh, in the passage just right before this. And I've talked about it a lot, but I'm just going to continue to drive it home. Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10 say, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled in him. So church, here's the big takeaway for point number one today. There is no benefit or advantage that is obtained when we attempt to add something to our salvation and to the gospel. Right, right again, Paul's writing the first two verses of our passage today, 16 and 17, saying, look, quit believing that there is anything that's added to the gospel. Quit, quit believing that you can obtain a higher favor with God simply by, man, denying yourself basic needs. Like, yeah, Jesus went into the wilderness and he fasted and he was tempted But it was for a set time. And man, I've met people that do 40 days of prayer and fasting once a month. And and they think like they're they're holier because of it. That'll catch up with some of you guys in a little bit. But like here, like here, the big the big takeaway from that is like, look, I want you to know humbly that the ground's level at the foot of the cross. There is no uh, addition and subtraction when it comes to a life in Jesus. There is just loving Jesus and trying to look more like him, messing up, asking for forgiveness, waking up the next day and doing it again. And, And if it is anything but that, the moment we think we have one area figured out, is the exact moment that pride has infiltrated the deepest parts of our heart and Satan has a foothold on us and says, look, you're good. Move on to the next thing. Man, humbly come to God and ask him to forgive you of your shortcomings. Man, which is a good segue for point number two today is rituals don't result in righteousness. 
right? Verses 18 and 19 say, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on to detail about visions and puffed up without reason and, and a sensuous mind. Another truth that I want to lay down today is that our habits, that none of them make us holy, right? It's Jesus and just Jesus. In other words, I want you to know that the fullness of Christ is transferred to us when we choose him as Savior. That one truth means that from the moment of salvation, again, like, please, please write this down. From the moment of salvation, when we trust Jesus as Savior, it is the holiest and the, the most righteous that we will ever be on this side of eternity. Right? From the moment of salvation, we enter into a process called sanctification. Right? It, it is just this pursuit of looking more and more like Jesus to the best of our ability. But you see, the best of our ability, it, it's hindered by this thing that we have, that we have called flesh. And that flesh is inherently evil. It, it, because we are who we are and we're made how we're made, we choose to desire ourselves above everything else. And because of that one thing, when we experience Jesus, right, we are the holiest and the most righteous that we will ever be until Jesus comes back and there's this thing called glorification where we will be taken up with him and he will usher in his kingdom here on earth and restore everything back and we will have these glorified bodies. Everything will be as it was intended to be and we will not be flesh. We will not be, you know, these, these gas balls floating around. I don't know how it will look, but I know what it will look like and it's us with all all of creation singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God for all of eternity, worshiping for who, him for who he truly is. But we have to understand that this ritualistic nature of our faith that we tend to, to deduce our, our, our Savior down to is not what it was meant to be. There's a... They, they had a name for people like that, and it was Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and if you read your Bible like I read mine, they are never really highly looked upon. They, they, they fall into this category of legalism. Scripture says that we will be glorified with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 5.21, it gives us a breakdown. It says that he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And, and church, like I, I just want, I want you to know today that you are loved, you are valued, you are seen, you are heard, you are chosen, you are redeemed, you have been rescued. You and I both uh, at one point in our life have been the, the one sheep where Jesus had to leave the 99 in pursuit of the one. And because of that, if you know who Jesus is, like I, I, I'm harping a lot. I get it. Like Cody, you said the same thing eight different ways. Well, hopefully one of them speaks to you. And for those of you that got it the first time, I'm sorry, but I'm going to keep driving the ship. Man, the Wholeness of God cannot be obtained by church attendance. The favor of God 
cannot be obtained by how many people you share the gospel with. The forgiveness of God cannot be multiplied because you pray a a, a different way every single day. Like to, to think of that is this idea that God is not who he says that he is. It, it, it's the, it's the, the mindset that belittles him and puts him in, you know, you've probably heard people talk about putting God in a box. He can't grow anymore. He, he can't get holier. It, it's an immaturity of our faith that that doesn't, that doesn't allow us to understand his fullness. And in that immaturity is where we are called to grow, right? We talked about a right standing relationship with Jesus. Okay, Cody, so are you saying don't pray at all? Don't give at all? Don't share at all? Again, no. What I am saying is pursue maturity, folks. In other words, like not thinking the same Immature jokes that you laughed at in high school, you know, are, are still necessarily funny. Like, I, I, I want you to know today that, man, like, our, our habits and, and our holiness isn't contingent upon anything we can do. It is fully predicated on who, not what, who we worship. And, and so, again, what kind of habits then might grow us towards maturity? Prayer, right? But, but it, it's not the spiritual shopping list, right? Like, you, you don't just come to God continually, man, Lord, and, and I need that, and I need this, and, and a little bit of this would be great. I had too much of this last week, so if you can, if you can keep that this week, that'd be good. I, I don't know if you've heard of the acrostic, P, pray, P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, and yield. Praising God for who he is, right? We did that. That's one thing I love that you guys do. We did that at the beginning of worship when Pastor Brad read Psalms, right? Declaring the goodness of God. Thanking him for who he is, not subject to who we are. He's outside of that. Asking, man, come to him. He wants to hear what is on your heart. But man, I've heard it asked like this too. Like, If God answered your prayers, would anybody else around you's life change? Or are we just praying for ourselves? Right, skipped over R because I'm from Arkansas and I forgot how to spell you gotta, you gotta repent, right? And it just t- bring all of your shortcomings before the Lord. Does He know that you do it? Yeah. Does He want us to, to come and acknowledge it anyway because it, it makes us aware for the next time that we have the potential to sin? Yes. Then you ask. And then, man, here's the best part the, the part I have the hardest part with, and it's being quiet, like just sitting. And hearing from the Lord. That pushes us towards maturity. Serving. Right? Not so that 
it's the next thing to do in the pipeline, but serving just simply so that we may be able to help and remove barriers so that other people can know Jesus. And look, it doesn't even have to be done in the church. Man, my neighbor mowed my lawn like the first six months we lived in our house because I didn't have a lawnmower, and I never asked him to. And the wild part is, like, the dude doesn't even know Jesus. But I felt loved by him. That compelled me to share who I am and, and why I am to him. And now, man, I get to cut his grass. Like, it's a competition, I feel like, sometimes to see, like, who can cut each other's grass first. I win a lot, but I lose a lot, too. But, like, here's the thing, church. Like, we, we have to understand who Jesus is and let that control our habits. Christ's holiness pushing us to habits that are holy. Not our holy habits that push us and lift us up to Christ's holiness. Does that make sense? One is for and the other is because. Like we, we don't work for our salvation. We work because of it. And so it's not the holiness of our habits that achieve favor with God. Matthew 6, 1 says this. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward for your Father that is in heaven. And, and church, I believe that's one of the silent killers of the American church today, that that we want more, we want to be bigger, we want to be greater, we want to have more influence, we want to have the biggest church, we want to have the best brand recognition, we want to, like, we want to have all of those things, and not one of them has to do with wanting Jesus more. And I know that's not the case here at Mercy Hill. I know everything is because of Jesus. I hear it, I see it. I talked to several of you before this, but man, church, listen. Please, I beg of you, don't lose sight of Jesus so that you can grow your kingdom attached to his. May Mercy Hill be a church that pushes back the darkness and brokenness of the world, seeking to bring the light of Christ in. So we don't do it publicly for recognition, but we do it for the Father, and we get our reward later. In eternity. And look, I'm not saying you get more square footage in the mansion when you get to heaven either. Like, that's, that's not it. What I'm saying is, man, like, a proper view of God pushes us to serve and to love and to, to, to fuel our habits with that. And thirdly and lastly today, as I'm landing the plane, I promise I'm going to get you all to lunch on time. It, it just simply says this. Our call is to keep Christ central. Man, the idea that the centrality of Christ is all throughout the entire canon of Scripture. Right? Cody, the Old Testament too? Absolutely. In Genesis, the creation account, it's plural language all throughout it. It talks about the Trinitarian nature of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Cody explained that another time. Talk to Pastor Brad. Ask him. But this idea, man, that, look, if all of this stuff is for anything other than God, we're missing it. It is, it is what, as Paul said, Father, may I die to myself. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. God, may you increase and may I decrease. 
Look, is Christ being glorified in us? Look, are you here today so that you are a better person or so that you know Jesus more? Like, it, it, it's not this pursuit to be, to, to, to have the, some attainment of, of righteousness or pureness or holiness or, or to just simply live the, you know, three steps to a better life. Man, church, like, Christianity is difficult. It's hard. Like, folks don't understand. Like, why, why are Christians so high strung and, like, and, and odd for God all the time? Man, like, I'm afraid of getting it wrong. Man, Cody, like, why, why don't you go out to, to bars and hang out with people and minister to them? It's because I was an alcoholic at 18. Like, I know Jesus. And, like, I can't do that. My flesh is weak. Man, Cody, like, okay, so, like, you planted a church, too. Do you, like, I'm sure you want it to grow. Absolutely, but I'm terrified that people will associate my name with the growth of our church. So much so that like I, I almost cower behind scripture because I want God to be seen as the reason that folks, folks' lives are being changed. So, so Mercy Hill, as we stand here today, as we sit here today, and as we get ready to go, man, why are we, why are we doing this? Why the east side? Why set up every single Sunday? Why, man, deny yourself of temporary pleasures? Why, man, not do things that you genuinely enjoyed doing when you were, when you were younger or before you came to Christ? Like, why? It has to focus on Christ. Paul writes and he wraps up the passage here and he says, look, all of these things that you are focusing on, it's not the head. Right? It's only Christ who is the head of the church, man, that, that allows us to conquer fleshly desires, that allows us to conquer this world, that allows us to defeat, man, the enemy that brings attacks after us day after day after day after day after day. But man, if, if our faith only lives on a Sunday morning and maybe a life group during the week, what kind of training is that? If you understand Christ and what he did for you and I, man, it changes everything. The title of the sermon today is Don't Make It What It's Not. Man, Please, let's not reduce our faith down to a Sunday morning attendance thing. Let's not reduce our faith down to this idea that, like, if I do, if I pray, if I give, if I serve, and if I read my Bible, then I, you know, I am full in Christ. If you do all of that stuff and you have still missed that Christ is the main point, you're doing it wrong. And so, church, I, I'd ask uh, Alexa if you'd come up, and Alexis, sorry, if you'd come up, and uh, that we would we would get ready just to just ask that we would do have just like an introspective time of response today, right? Just this idea 
that man, like, what is existing in our life? What do we have in our life that we are looking for fullness, that we are looking for uh, freedom in, outside of Jesus, in addition to Jesus? Like, what, what are we chasing more than the Son of God? Right, talked about rituals don't make us righteous. What rituals do we have in our life that we're just going through the motions? I, I understand that the purpose of the book of Colossians is Paul, man, railing against false teaching. And, and look, here's the, here's the thing. If I get up here, if Pastor Bragg gets up here, if anybody else gets up here, and we say something that is misaligned with Scripture, we will stand in judgment of that. We will be held accountable to that. If you take that as truth and you never, hear me out, if you never get into Scripture and see what the Bible really says, then you will be judged according to that. Man, habits matter. Are we reading the Bible to know Jesus or are we reading the Bible just to say we did it? And finally, is Christ the center of our life? The focal point? The, man, the, the core of everything we do? Or is he, just on, is he just on the shelf with the rest of it? Because church, if, if the answer is that we are pursuing anything more than Jesus or in addition to him, we've missed it. We'll run out of gas, we'll get tired, we'll get burnt out, we'll, we'll fall back into sin if all of our faith doesn't stem from Jesus. We have to pursue him. Holiness in the form of flesh. So would you pray with me as we get ready just to respond and have a moment with the Lord?